Welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast, where our mission is to serve coaches through conversations so they can lead like Jesus. I'm Gian Lemmy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chad Simpson. Hey, Chad. Hey, Gian. Chad, today's guest has so much energy. She reminded me of our guest from last season, um, Anthony Franz. Remember him? Um, the, the coach at, at uh, Trinity International. Um, and He's he the actually... Guru. The recruiting guru, yeah. And he actually just became the head coach for Crown um, this coming this past summer. Um, and so congrats to, to Coach Franz. But our guest today is Sarah O'Brien. Um, when we interviewed her, Chad, she was still the Montana uh, softball assistant coach. But we'll talk a little bit more about what she's been up to now. Um, what was the things that really uh, stood out to you? Yeah, Jean, my my stepsister uh played competitive softball growing up and i just remember how entertaining it was uh the girls were cheering so much passion and energy uh baseball literally baseball just a little more quiet and slow and so uh, a lot of respect for for softball coaches to instill that in their players and i think in this interview what i really liked uh was just the one thing that she likes to say to her players um, when she first sees them or when she, they're leaving um, and it really communicates her faith and, and um, how she cares for her players. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that conversation, Chad. And she talks about that throughout the whole interview. Um, and then I'm going to tease out one of the quotes that she had, and it was the um, the completing and competing and, and how those two words uh, mesh into her coaching philosophy. But now Sarah, um, when we interviewed her, she used to be the Montana softball coach. Now she actually started her own ministry. Um, she moved down back to Texas um, and she's coaching um, softball, fast pitch softball down in Texas. But then she started her own um, ministry called Completing and Competing Ministry, as well as a podcast. So we're going to drop the links down in the show notes so you can follow. Um, and if you want to see her work, you can. And then, Chad, the, the extra question for this week that I asked her was her relationship with her dad and how that influenced her to continue to be a coach. Um, and continue to try to make a difference in the lives of young girls. And both of us, both you and I are girl dads, you know, and um, we just want uh, to, I wanted to ask her that question and the relationship and the dynamics, but coach, we don't want to take more, more time. We want to um, go through it right now. Sarah O'Brien, thank you so much for coming on the Christian Coach Podcast. It's an honor. Thanks for waking up a little earlier maybe than usual. I don't know. Um, but as you know, our first question is always, what does it mean to you to be a Christian coach? Well, first, G, thank you um, for allowing me to be on this space with you. I think that kind of goes straight into that question is, what does it mean for me to be a Christian coach? Um, and for me, it means everything. Um, I think that God saved my life. He made me. Um, I believe he gave me the gift of coaching. Uh, and how can I use that gift to, to glorify him in everything that I do, whether that's my relationships with my athletes or my relationships with our staff or our athletic department as a whole, other coaches. Um, I like to say my life motto is um, breathe life and love people well. Um, and I think that comes from Jesus. That's what he did. He just loved people really well. Um, and so for me, and you talk about being a Christian coach, um, I don't think it's about re reciting scripture. I don't think it's about trying to throw all of these things in your face. I think it's just really about loving people with the most intention. Um, I love very hard. I love very loud. 
Um, I am not going to apologize for that, um, but it has made me who I am and, and that's who he made me to be. So how can I glorify him um, with the way that I love the people in my circle? Yeah, I don't think anybody will complain when they're getting loved hard. it's it's a little bit shocking at first right because it's like i i use so love so john 3 16 is like i know it's very cliche but it is my favorite bible verse um god so loved the world he gave his only son so when i tell people i love them i'm like i so love you um and they're like what and i'm like no i so love you and it's even like my kids, like going from being at TLU when I first started to Houston to now at Montana, I'll meet them and I'm like, so love you. And they're like, this lady doesn't even know me. Yeah. Like, how does she love me? Is that, is that like, even well, real English here. too? So yeah, love you? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, no, actually guys, like Jesus loves you no matter what. Like it's already yours. And if he's doing that, then I have to do that too. Um, And so it's a little awkward at first, but now it's like, if I say it to you and you don't say it back, I'm just going to keep saying it (laughs) until you say it back. And then I will let the conversation continue. But yeah, that's great. That's great. That's some great tips right off the bat there. Um, I see behind you, um, it says the word excellence. And what is the, the, the caption underneath? Says... We are champions. We'll turn it. Got it. Okay. What what role does excellence play in your coaching philosophy and coaching? Because my coaching philosophy, and I wrote a book, um, The Court Mm -hmm. of Excellence. And so I'm all about excellence in every aspect of your life. So what, what role does excellence play in yours? Well, to be fair, this is actually a football room. So this is that they use each program Got in it. our champion center and each program has its own room. I just use this. So I think it's phenomenal background. That's really um, cool. But I, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, but I think when it comes to ex- excellence um, and using that word, I don't use it a ton. Um, I use love a lot. Um, <laughs> I use family a lot. Um, and I use the acronym family of forget about me. I love you. Oh, uh, but I okay. think that... Also, I mean, when you're talking about excellence, yes, we're talking about excelling on the court or on the court for you on the field for me. We're talking about excelling and being excellent in the classroom because, yes, our athletes are student athletes. They're not at the University of Montana to be athletes. And then, oh, I'm just going to maybe go to class sometimes. It's like, no, we're going to take care of our academics because you came here to get a degree. And then you're also really good at softball. So, like, let's do that, too. Uh, But I think that just comes in everything. I think you want to excel in everything that you do, whatever that is, whether that for us is community service, whether that is how we perform on the field, whether that is how we recruit our athletes. We're not trying to find athletes that are what we have. We need better than what we have. And I think our athletes are pretty amazing. So how do I find that that excellence, that word you're using? Um, Again, I use love, but I think it all kind of comes full circle when yep. you can be more than just your X's and O's of the game. Your that line is great and it's excellent, but there are a lot of other things that make you you um, and make you a functioning and excelling member um, of our program and then eventually society. That's great. That's great. Let's go back now to young Sarah. Um, how, how did she get back, get into softball? And then tell us um, a short or long version, whatever you want of how now you ended up in Montana. Okay. Um, well, young Sarah, baby Sarah played baseball. 
because that's okay. what the voice did. And I wanted to yeah. play with the voice uh, and then started playing softball. Absolutely did you have brothers growing up? I have a younger brother. Okay. Um, but I just, I was, I mean, you hate to use like adjectives and describers. Like people would say I was a tomboy. Like I didn't like to wear dresses. I didn't like dolls were not my thing. Like give me a ball. Let me like, just let's go get dirty and have fun. So I guess that's kind of how the game became the game for me. And then just going through, obviously going through travel ball, I've how did you, how did you get into State. baseball? Like, did your parents play? Did you watch on TV? Did you have friends that um, played? I would say my dad more than anything. Okay. Um, we watched a ton of it. My dad was a collegiate football player, but he was also an athlete. Um, my mother was a swimmer. High five for Jules. Not exactly like a ball sport, but still athletic. Yes. Um, so I think it just came down to like, hey, let's go play catch in the backyard. And that was just our way okay. as father daughter to just have some time. And it's like, okay, this is really fun. Um, they never pressured me into sports. It was just more of, if this is what you want to do, like we'll do this. So played volleyball, played basketball, played baseball, played softball, just kind of fell in love with softball and was probably better at it than anything else. And I'm a pretty big competitor. So if we're going to be good at something, let's be really good at it. Yeah. Let's be excellent. There you um, go. And so then play, I mean, play in high school, you go play in college. Um, I played at the University of the Incarnate Word in San Antonio, Texas. So that is kind of where my shift from being in Washington State took me down to the South. Um, played there, absolutely loved it. Um, again, private Catholic institution. Yep. So your faith wasn't required by any means, but we were required to take um, spiritual courses. And so I had, a did you have a faith back in Washington or no? Yes, I did. I would okay. say I was, I was raised Catholic. I did okay. my first communion. My parents gave me the choice to be confirmed. Uh, and I was like, mm, I don't know if Catholicism's for me, but, and that's fine. Like I yeah. have no judgment to any religion. Like I believe it's sure. a relationship yeah. um, more than anything. So yes, I believe I had a relationship. It wasn't as intentional as obviously it is now, um, but he was definitely present. Yeah. Um, and you go to college and you're trying to figure yourself out and who are you and what are we doing? Um, and I always felt like there was this piece that was missing for me. And it was always, well, I'm, I need to be really good in the classroom. I need to be really good at my sport. But it's like those things aren't fulfilling me in the way that they should at the end of the day. So it's like, OK, let me dive a little bit more into this God thing. Mm -hmm. Like, let's start talking about hearts. Let's start talking about souls. Um and getting and graduating from UIW, I took a job at Texas Lutheran University. Um, amazing boss, Wade Wilson, really allowed me to be me in my faith with our kids. And I think that was really the turning point for being the Christian coach, because I was, a, I was allowed, I guess you could use that word, to have intentional conversations, to be an FCA with my athletes, be able to take my athletes to church with me um, and do all of these things where it becomes bigger than your sport. Like I look back at my time at TLU and yes, we won a ton of games. Yes, we were conference champions back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Um, and that's awesome. But if I really look at that program and those kids, the reason they were so successful in my opinion, yes, they were physically talented and gifted, but God was in that space with them. Yeah. And, and he was so incredibly present on that team. Like we're like, Jesus is on our team. Well, he's on every team guys. Like, yeah. 
that's what he does. <laughs> but when we believe that he's genuinely with us and our identity is no longer in our stat line, our identity is in who he says we are. And that is fully known, fully loved, fully forgiven for exactly who we are. And God is much more interested in who we're becoming than we currently are in this moment. Yeah. Um, I think that's where the culture shift really started to begin. Um, not just for them, but for me as well. Um, I what say are that some things that you guys, <laughs> sorry, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. Um, what were some of the things that you practically did, or maybe the staff did in order mm-hmm. to get those athletes to not put their identity on the stat line, their batting average, yeah. their wins and losses. Um, what, what was some things that you guys did? Because even today, that's a big issue, right? Even with coaches, their identity Absolutely. is in, you know, I am a coach. I, I'm a loser if I lose. I'm a winner if I win. Um, how do you guys were able to make that transfer in identity? I mean, I think when you're at a private institution, it's a little bit easier yep. because you can talk about your faith freely. Um, and not that I don't talk about my faith freely now, but it was just, it's a little bit different of a dynamic. Sure. So it's, we had a weekly Bible study that I ran with our kids. Um, and again, my boss was like this, this is your thing. Like, I'm not going to get in the middle of this, but like, I believe you're doing some great things. I believe this is moving for our kids. So go do this. Um, and then yes, you're, you're their coach, but then you're also their sister in Christ. And I think when you can have that intentional, real and raw relationship with them from such a spiritual perspective, then it's like, yeah, guys, you may have, you may have went oh for four, but let's be very honest. God doesn't care who wins and loses. Yeah. Like, what is, what is your identity in that? Yes, I'm paid to win. Will I have a job if we don't win? Probably yep. not. Um, but again, if my kids are not leaving in this space of identity and living in this space of God loves me for exactly who I am, they can't play in this freedom of, I just get to love the game. I just get to be the seven-year-old who picked up a ball and threw it in the backyard with my dad. Like, because it doesn't matter. It yeah. matters, but it doesn't matter as much as we make it matter. And I think when your identity is solely in competing, and I use these words a lot, um, competing and completing. Um, I think we compete really well as athletes. I think we compete really well as a program in every program that I've been in. Um, But what's the completion piece of that? And, And when I talk about completion, I talk about the completion of Jesus Christ. Are we living in that freedom that he gave us through his love, sacrifice, and grace? Um, and I think when, again, that's, an, that's a battle. I think it's a battle every day we wake up. Yeah. Um, but I think when you can constantly have those conversations and constantly be breathing his life, guys, this isn't what I say. I can tell you what I say about you, but here's this, this, and this, what he says about you. And his love can't even compare to mine. And I feel like I love really hard. So it's just living for me. It's living in that space and that intentionality more than anything else. Yeah. To me, one of the most rewarding things, and we have tennis is such an international sport, right? So we recruit internationally. We go out and find these girls, um, visit with their homes and stuff. Um, But we just had a, a girl come into the program where she transferred in from a public institution um, where she didn't have a good time and, Um, but she transferred in and three days into Liberty and she, she, she was not a Christian, um, but three days of Liberty and she comes to me in the car 
where I'm driving her to practice and she says, Liberty is a different place, right? And I was like, yes, you figured it out. I'm, I'm glad you figured it out. That, Three means, days. that means I am doing, I'm doing a good job of, of living it out um, because, you know, a lot of people just go through and they, they don't even know their coach was a Christian, you know, and I know that at public schools, there is some more restrictions, obviously, but the way you live should be the, the highlight. So not so much what you say, right. The, 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 the way you live. Absolutely. And so, um, but yeah, but that's encouraging to hear. So now you're, you went to Lutheran, um, yes. then you went to Houston, the university of Houston. Yeah. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead. Yeah. So went to Houston and that was, I mean, you're going from D3 to D1. So that yeah. is a big jump. Um, was that, was that a think tough that, decision for you to make? Yes, very much so. Why? Very much so. Um, cause I think it's when you have this idea of being a coach and, oh, I want to be a D1 coach. This is what I want to do. This is the goal. This is who I, who, who God has called me to become, right? Because yeah. I make my own plans because yeah. that's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Um, so it was like, this is, this is where I need to go. These are the next steps in my career. Um, and as much as I loved my kids in our program with my entire heart, I believe this was the best decision. Um, I do not regret making that decision. I think that I learned so much being in that space and competing at that level um, and having to work with a new staff. I mean, it was at TLU for six and a half years. Um, when you're working with someone for six and a half years, you get to know each other pretty well. Yeah. Um, so now I go from knowing everything about everything, in my opinion, <laughs> to knowing nothing. I still have the game of softball, but I don't really know anything else. Yeah. Um, and how do you do that? And I think the beauty of the University of Houston was they had a FCA director who worked uh, within our athletic department. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and my boss, Kristen Vesley, um, made sure that that our kids had the ability to go see Joe and Joe would come talk to our team once a week. Um, and I remember that was like day three of me being there. And she's like, Hey, how do you feel about FCA? And I'm like, yes. When are we doing it? Like what, like, what does this look like? And she's like, well, actually we have a guy on staff and are literally, we meet as a team with him once a week. And I'm like, yep, this is it. I'm like, I'm good. Um, so it was just finding different ways to love. So I couldn't, and I think that was a big shift was now I can't really talk about my faith as much as yeah. I did before. How do I still glorify God in this new space? Um, and for me, that came down back to the word love. Like, again, I don't need to quote scripture at you yeah. to understand the love, grace, and acceptance of Jesus Christ. I just need to love you really well. And then you'd be like, well, she's a little bit different. Like you're saying, Liberty's yeah. a little bit different. Yeah. G's a little bit different. Okay, what makes him different? Oh, let me tell you about this guy who died on a cross for the sins of the world, not because it's what we deserved, because he, but because he wanted an intentional relationship with us. Wow, that's really cool. I want to know more. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, so. that's really neat to hear. That's, and then you were there for a year, right? Yes. And then yes. what was going through your life at that moment that then you decided to make the jump to Montana? Well, my, I currently live being in Missoula, five hours from my hometown. Um, so you go to Texas and you stay down there and you build this life. Yeah. Um, and then there was always a piece of me that wanted to be closer to home. 
And so when my current boss, Melanie Michael called, uh, she said, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. Would you be willing to move to Missoula? Um, I think we're building something really special here and I'd love for you to be a part of it. And I was like, oh, okay, Montana, I've never been there, but I also had never been to Texas until I yeah. went and played down there. So why not? I'm an adventure junkie. So you get in the car and you pack your stuff and you drive to Missoula. Um, and I'm currently about to start year three. So it's going pretty well. <laughs> I think. Um, how, but, how does that phone call even happen? Did you, did you already know the coach or did somebody put you in contact yes. with her? Okay. How, yes, how where I did, did you meet know her? her. Um, I actually knew the, her former boss. So Mel was the pitching coach when Montana first started. Montana just finished year seven. So we're relatively young as a program as a whole. Um, so Jamie Pinkerton, who is now the current head coach at Iowa state, um, started the program at Montana. I have a very personal uh, relationship with Jamie. So it's, Jamie knows me. I know Mel through Jamie because, you know, the coaching world is very small small. and it is about who, you know, it is not so much about what, you know, um, as much as we need to know, uh, that's just the reality of our job. So it was, I've in my boss at Houston actually played for Mel when she was the GA at Oklahoma. So it all kind of comes like this really weird full circle where it's like, yes, the softball world is small. My people are saying good things. This is the phone call I'm getting. Let's go make this decision. That's okay. And what what has God now be teaching you through these three years now in uh, Montana? So is there like a one overall message? Yeah, I think it's again, you're starting over okay, and you're trying to figure it out. And what does this look like? Um, and again, you're coming to a public institution. What does this look like? And I remember, I think it was day two or three of me being here. I got an email from our associate head volleyball coach that said, hey, we do FCA as a department like of coaches. I don't know what your background is in Christianity or your relationship with God, but would you be interested in joining? And I'm like, God, what a guy. Like, I really think he sits up there and laughs. He's like, you know what? Like, you're you're making these moves. You think it's all about you. But hold my wine and watch this. And then we're here. So have a phenomenal group um, of coaches within our department that we meet uh, once a week, which is amazing. A phenomenal FCA director here in Montana, Rory. He is absolutely the most intentional man that you'll ever meet in your entire life. That's great. Um, And then he also runs it for our student athletes. So I have athletes that will go and I will periodically show up um, and be a part of those spaces. Again, it's not as intentional from an athlete coach perspective for me in this space as it is from like coach to coach. Um, But I do believe that God is still working. I do believe that Again, it comes down to love. Am I loving like Jesus? And if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. Um, <laughs> how, how important is it to have those kinds of people in your life, right? To go through coaching together because coaching is a unique lifestyle. I didn't yes. know it was like this when I started coaching, but n- yes. now after 10 years, I, I definitely learned. Um, mm-hmm. And some people don't understand that it's not a nine to five job that most of the time you can't just leave work at work. You have to be available if something happens. And um, how important is it to have those people that are in the same 
space as you like and montana who yeah. who who know exactly what it is to to live in missoula and 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 be a christian at a public university because we have so many audience members who are at a public high school or public university who who maybe are feeling a little lonely right because they they mm -hmm. might not know how important is it to have those kind of people in your life i mean i think for me they're they're my rock like i believe god gave us people like he gave adam eve like yep. we're not meant to do this life alone um and so being able to have those connections yes we're all coaches and yes they understand that it's a 365 you you're right you don't leave it in the office because i go home and i make recruit calls and then i go home and i get back on my laptop because it's never done yeah. um and that's part of the job and i i don't know if you would probably with me. I love that. Like I'm a worker. That's what I love to do. Um, but I think there are seasons of life that get really tough. Yeah. And if I'm not finding my foundation in Christ and I don't have godly counsel breathing that life into me, for me specifically, I feel like I'm losing my footing. And does that mean that they solve all of my problems? Absolutely not. But we can sit in an office or we can sit at a coffee shop and we can say, you know what? I'm not good and, or so-and-so I'm not good, Sarah, guess what? It's okay to, to not be okay yeah. because I'm going to be intentionally in this space with you. And I may not have all of the answers, but I know a guy who does. <laughs> and let's start talking about how he moved through some of the most horrific, I mean, times of his life. I mean, you look at what Jesus had to go through for us, like True. talk about hitting a brick wall, every single step you took, like the guy was not very popular, like yeah. only had 12 friends, a lot more, sorry, sure. joke, but like at the end of the day, yeah. he had 12, I've got eight, yeah. you have how many, whatever yeah. it is, I know I can go to them and say, Hey, I'm not good. Or, Hey, this is where I'm at. Or even, Hey, I feel God moving in this space. And this is super freaking cool. And I want to talk through that with you yeah. because maybe me talking about that, you're experiencing something similar. It's true. It's true. Um, my last question is you, you have a blog. Um, yes. what, what is the importance of having a platform like that for your career or maybe just for your life? Um, I think for me, my blog, um, it's named The Boat and it's actually named after um, my Bible study at TLU. Okay. Because we said we're in this boat together. We use uh, the verse in Matthew where Jesus is sleeping in the hole of the boat and the disciples are like, buddy, we're drowning. Like, this is not good. Wake up and save us. Yeah. And this idea of resting in the storm. So who's in my boat? Who's the one person that has to be in my boat? God. Then who else is in there? And let's keep pushing through all of this thing called life to get to the other side and have a little bit more faith for the middle <laughs> than the disciples had in the storm. Um, but that's kind of the title of it. Okay. Um, I just loved the intentionality of that. I loved what that built in my life there. So I just was like, you know what? I'm keeping it. Let's name a blog after it. Um, the blog kind of turned into my way to 
express um, everything I was feeling about how amazing our God is, where I can just put it out there and people can just read it. And it, I don't have to throw this in your face. I don't have to be like, I need to sit down and talk to you about this right now. Um, it's like, no, this is just these amazing verses about this amazing man who died for the sins of the world. And if you're going through something or you're sitting on a mountain peak or you're walking through a valley, this is how I process through it. I'm not saying you're going to do the same thing, but I know that I've heard a sermon or had a conversation with someone or read a book that helped me get through that season of life. So whether it's one person reads it and it's like, wow, I really needed to hear that today. Thank you. Like, I don't need to thank you. Like that's more, I'm literally preaching to myself. And then if somebody else needs to read it, like it's all on you guys. Uh, But yeah, it's just a space where I get to be honest about how much God has impacted my life and how much I love him. Um, And I believe that there's a lot of sadness and sorrow and hurt um, in the church. And I believe there's a lot of judgment sitting in the church and and it was never about four walls. Um, That's actually one of my blog posts. It was never, the church was never about four walls. It's the people. So what is the intentional relationship that we're having and how are we being as inclusive as we possibly can because I'm not going to go to heaven with somebody's salvation in my pocket. Everybody's going. Jesus yeah. used very inclusive language. So let's yeah. start talking that way. Let's bring everybody on board and let's have the party of a lifetime in heaven. Yeah. You talked about that in one of the posts. I think one of the latest ones on come as you are. That, yes. That's saying. Come as you are. Yeah. Uh, well, Sarah, thank you so much for, for coming on. This, this was great. I, I, I love your passion for your athletes as well as Jesus. Um, And um, it's great to just to hear your story and learn more about you. Absolutely. No, thank you, G. Again, I could sit here and we could do this for two hours. It's my favorite thing to do uh, ever, but I do have to get to an unofficial visit. So so how how can we be praying for you besides this official visit, unofficial visit? Yeah, I think that's kind of it. And then what is, and it's not just me, but it's God be present with, with my people, God be present with your people, um, to really allow them to, to hear what they need to hear and see what they need to see, um, to continue to glorify your kingdom in whatever, uh, situation they're in or wherever their feet are currently planted. So that's kind of my prayer for myself right now is this is where my feet are planted. God, what do you need me to do in this space? What are you calling me to do in this space? Um, so I think that would be just praying that over me. And then obviously the world, because I think we're in a very broken place and I think we need a lot more Jesus than we're talking about. So God intercede in the most intentional ways, um, into some pretty broken parts of, of our world. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for for this beautiful day you've made. Thank you for Sarah, um, her faithfulness to you, um, her commitment to you, her commitment to every stop of her career, Lord, that she's poured all of her herself into her athletes and her staff, that she's so loved everyone that she's come in contact with just the same way that you've loved us, Father. Um, Lord, I pray that these as we start restart recruiting um that that will continue to to be great examples and role models of of you and your love towards the people that we come in contact with um and lord uh be allow us to be present where you've placed us today and that it may be something some somewhere completely different tomorrow but today lord help us to be faithful 
help us to know what you want us to do with our day and where we are and with the people that we run into lord thank you again for for this conversation with sarah and uh, help her lead montana softball um in a way that glorifies and honors you in my pray amen 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 Gian. uh so thankful for for sarah's encouragement and um really loved that she just says so love you you know and uh um, just that picture of for god so loved the world that he gave you know and uh and i just love that and just an open door for her to communicate you know why do you say so love you for her to just come and say god so loves us and uh, what a what a way to share the gospel and, and impact her her players and people around her yeah i it's it's in the little details and we preach that for our teams um but it is true john 316 doesn't say god loves love the world you know he does say so love the world which magnifies it a little bit more and and it goes above and beyond um but i just you know her demeanor throughout the whole interview chad was incredible you can tell she was passionate about her athletes passionate about her job passionate about jesus mostly you know and i think that's what makes a difference when you you might not be working in a christian environment and you still want to be a good representation of christ just show the just show that joy you know that comes that comes from doing work that is meaningful and that is god glorifying and so i really love this interview she's full of energy go check out her ministry completing and competing ministry as well as a podcast with the same name we're going to drop those uh um links in the show notes but coach remember Regardless if you're in Montana or in Lynchburg or in Atlanta, the mission field is right where you're at.